Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. I thought you were going to sing. Ah, chicken down. <laughs> Purpose Podcast. If you have a great theme song, we'd love to hear it. Uh, we are so excited that you've taken time to listen today. We really do believe that God has given you a purpose to win your world. He's designed you to be in relationship with him. And today we have incredible guests and we're going to talk a little bit about how we win our world and all kinds of things that can go along with it. So my name's Rachel. This is my husband, Zach, and we're here today with Pastor Dr. Reverend uh, Christopher Stevens and his AKA beautiful bride. Big Daddy. The Big Daddy. Big Dr. Big Dad. And his beautiful bride, Michelle, who happened to be Zach's parents and the pastors at Faith Promise Church. Yeah, so this is, if you're listening uh, and not watching on YouTube, it sound, it'll sound a little bit different because this is really a, a special edition. We're, we're in a different location. And so uh, obviously we talk every week about your purpose, which is to win the world. And all that was really birthed out of uh, faith promise and and uh, faith promise was birthed out of uh, a lot of people, but God has chosen mom and dad to lead that for the last 28 years. And so obviously uh, you guys are passionate about people living in their purpose, but I want to make sure that people don't discount um, what you guys have to say about your purpose because you guys have been in ministry for, you know, for, for 28 or longer than that, for 40 years, you guys are super Christians and, you know, people may have that perspective. So let's roll the clock back a little bit on when you guys both received, like, not like your calling, your purpose to give your life to Christ, not just as a Christian, because most people listening are Christians, but uh, more so like you have a purpose to win your world, to impact the world. So tell us a little bit about that, maybe uh, in a way that people don't know. Go ahead, Michelle. Well, I was um, in some of our staff discussions, it reminded me of when I was young and my parents teaching me simple things like doing backyard Bible studies and Bible clubs is what they were called for the kids in my neighborhood. And so my purpose was really ignited back when I was young. But, you know, in my era, they did not really give women a lot of opportunity to do um, big, what people would consider big staff roles. So that was really never a goal for me. Um, I just grew up in a wonderful Christian home. And so as, as we went along and as my parents did ministry, I did ministry. But as a result, I learned how to share my faith. I learned how to love people. And so through that and through different seasons, um, my purpose may have had a different package or looked a little different, but the same goal was there. And that was to love people and to help them know Christ. Yeah, Michelle did have incredible, still does have an incredible family. So uh, for me, not growing up in church, when I was saved and then felt called to full-time Christian ministry, I was clueless what that meant. Uh, did that mean I'd be a student pastor, senior pastor? Yeah, I, I, I really didn't even know the full thing. So at the heights for me, our purpose, all of us, is to advance the kingdom. In advancing the kingdom, I've had many different assignments. My purpose is greater than my assignment. But wherever we find ourselves, whether I was a volunteer or part-time staff or full-time staff, still the purpose was to win my world 
and help everybody around me win theirs. So the assignments change. Where you serve changes. Uh, you may have multiple gifts, but the purpose has always remained the same, and that is to advance the kingdom. And we advance the kingdom not by swapping people from one church to another. We advance the kingdom by winning people that are far from God. I love that. And I love you. You've been talking about that for the last couple of years, especially as you guys transition to different roles uh, that uh, advancing the kingdom is the purpose and the assignments change. I think that's huge for everybody to know, uh, no matter what their assignment is, stay at home, mom, doctor, teacher, whatever it is, those are only assignments, you know, and I, I think that's big, but you know, we have, you know, we had Toby Sly on the podcast not too long ago. We have these experts on sometimes. You guys are experts. You've given your life for the last 40 years, you know, uh, which I, I think makes you guys experts and you've been successful at it in equipping people to win their world, right? And so I just want to talk a little bit about the history of that. What do you feel like and, and winning their world, winning our world ultimately is leading people to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? We, we obviously want to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and, 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 you know, help the poor, do all those kind of things. But the main thing is that people know about Jesus, where their eternity is. And so for you guys, what do you feel like has, before we talk about what we can do now, what do you feel like has changed when it comes to uh, sharing Jesus with people, when it comes to winning your world, specifically around evangelism, what do you feel like has changed over the years that people need to know now? I think people were more receptive to just walking up and talking to, um, you know, we did the knocking on doors, you know, and that was... Y'all went um, knocking on doors, but I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know, like what, yeah. What, what knocking on doors is, we would take people along with us and we would just, like a, a salesperson would do a cold call, we would just pick a neighborhood and start working that neighborhood and knock on the door and ask how we could pray for them and look for an opportunity to share Jesus. And, um, so that, I mean, this, people think that's just reserved for Jehovah's witness. Yeah. You no, know, we, Michelle, when you do, you knocked on you and the students, when we were in Oak Ridge, knocked on every door in Oak Ridge three different times. We for knocked Easter, on getting ready for Easter. Yeah. We knocked on every door in Jennings and we were trying to back in the early nineties, become diverse, and that city was divided by railroad track, 8,000 whites, 3,000 blacks. We knocked on every black door three times. Wow. What, um, I think something that hasn't changed is obviously you have to be hungry. Mm-hmm. If you're going to win souls, if you're going to win your world, you got to be hungry. You got to be hungry. Not, but before we get, because there's a lot more truth in there, what's the craziest thing that happened Either in Louisiana, because I know y'all did it there, Louisiana or here? What's the craziest thing you guys remember? Anything crazy? I know you drug me, Mike, and Faith along, so we may have done something. We did. But what's the wildest thing you can remember happening, knocking on doors? Do you remember the guy opening the door? Why don't you tell the story? <laughs> oh, go ahead. I wasn't there. You were there. Do you know what he's talking about? I'm not sure. I, I have. When I the have... guy opened the door naked? <gasps> <gasps> no, Mike, <I> didn't. <laughs> Somebody opened the door in the nude? They... Yes, they, yeah. How old are we talking? Ah, like young, no. adult male, oh, older, older adult male. Adult. Older, so, little real wrinkly situation. Tissue, little wrinkly, little oh, wrinkly. Oh, I know. Yes. And yes. invited Michelle in. No, he didn't. He did. Well, why wouldn't he? Look at her. <laughs> oh, She's my. beautiful. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, you could come in and pray for me. Absolutely. That 
is awesome. That's awesome. But we didn't lay hands on him. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so. I would assume you kept the screen door closed on that one. Yes. No, we, we did not enter that home. We just uh, told him who we were, and we were walking around you the neighborhood. You kept the conversation going. And I averted my oh. eyes, and I just, <gasps> you know, if he, you know, if he Resilient. wasn't going to make it weird, I wasn't going to make it weird, and... Invited him to church. What do you mean you weren't going to make it weird? He was naked. Uh, it know, was weird. It's weird I right just, now. It's <laughs> I just. Was there anything God in between? Him, invited him to church, and we, because we had teenagers with us, we left. You know, that's one of those things you just don't. Let me tell you right now <laughs> if mom can keep the gospel and the invitation going with the nudist, wherever it was. <laughs> You can invite your family and friends. Was there a a, 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 a screen or anything in between you guys? There was. There okay. was. Okay. There was. I, I would Amazing. say one of the th- the pros that is that have changed. When I first started sharing the gospel in the early '80s, you had to, for many people, you had to talk them into believing they were a sinner. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would say, "Why? Do, I've never sinned." So your first step was actually saying, well, have you ever lied? Have you ever sold them? Have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? Today, you don't have to convince anybody they're sinners. And I think, yes, you, it, people were more cordial. They were open to what I call, you know, doorstep buttonhole evangelism that they're not necessarily up to today. But people are hungry, more hungry spiritually today than they were when I began. They're just not hungry for what the church is offering. Why do you, why do you think that is? Oh, well, I think we've dropped the ball. You know, if you look at the history of America and you look at the last 25 or 30 years, it's the boomers, my generation, that have dropped the gospel the time, that have watched a, the most rapid decline morally of our nation in the, you know, almost 300 years existence. Uh, but... But because of social media, everything, people understand, yeah, I'm wrecked. I have issues and I know I need some help. They're just not looking at the church, even though we actually really do have the answer for. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go, going back, you got, we were talking about uh, things that have changed. You're obviously. Are you going back to the naked guy? Knocking on doors. Well, I'm, I'm having a hard, I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm having a hard time. And were we there? Do you remember that? Or did I remind you of that? Well, that wasn't the story that was in my in the forefront of my mind. Well, so. t- tell tell us your story. I, the, these are uh, 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 number one, amazing. Second, I think they're faith building. I mean, <laughs> they are. You know, I think mine went to, and it's not a, a funny or weird story as much as it. We uh, we were in Jennings, Louisiana, and student ministry. We were out. Um, giving um, people that um, needed help at Christmas time, and we had brought them some food and presents, and an, another church showed up at the door and um, wanted to debate on, on theological, theological issues, which were not the question. We were just telling them how much Jesus loved them and wanted a relationship with them, and this other church um, was debating me on just theological questions. And so we have all these teenagers, we have this family, and and it was, I'm just trying to diffuse it. And I said, hey, we could talk later. We can discuss these questions later. So to me, that was 
I'll never forget, it's one of the most impactful things. Here we were, had an opportunity to win this family to Jesus, and, you know, two different um, uh, representatives of the gospel, you know, trying to engage, you know, in, in their differences instead of Jesus. And so, anyway, that is, you know, that wouldn't happen in a home today. You know, you wouldn't certainly have that opportunity, uh, and people would not allow for those kind of things to happen. So, do you, just, do you see the same type of, I would say, conflict between, you know, I, there's a lot of agreement on, you know, the Apostles' Creed, but all of the secondary issues that have become more the hot topic. It's not necessarily the gospel. It's not necessarily that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died, he was raised from the dead for our sins, that we need him to have a relationship with the God of the universe. Do you still see that same conflict about secondary issues coming into conversation? Like, has that changed at all? To me especially when people are behind a keyboard, you know, it feels like everything's open game to, to create conflict because conflict is what gets the clickbait, conflict is what gets the likes, and, and, and sadly, conflict gets more engagement than, than joining together and, um, and presenting truth. And so that's what I see mostly, and it's not so much theological conflict, um, is, is just differing in opinions on anything. It could be something political. It could be um, something in the community that people just choose to take different sides on instead of um, joining together um, under that banner of being one like Jesus wanted us to. The difficulty is that if you're engaging a family or somebody far from God <clears throat> in the early 80s, you rarely had to defend the Bible. Yeah. You rarely had to defend the deity of Jesus. You rarely had to. People just, I don't believe, I don't believe that. I mean, you would get it every, just now and then, and then you go to, you know, apologetical, you know, reasonings. Today, that's going to be the first thing. Well, that's a way, or I'm not sure that I trust the scriptures, and I don't feel, and so uh, I think, Early on, you just had to be armed with the gospel. Today, if you really want to be an effective soul winner, an effective personal evangelist, which we are all called to do, all of us are called to do the work of evangelists, we need to, we, we need to have learned a little, like the guy that was popular, Josh McDowell, uh, more than a carpenter, evidence of man's verdict. We need to have a little bit, armed ourselves a little bit with how do we know that Jesus is the only way? Yeah. And it's easy to do. It's out there. We just have got to be prepared. Yeah. And those books you mentioned, um, More Than a Carpenter, and then Demands a Verdict. Evidence that Demands a Verdict. And the, yeah. Case for Christ is, is, one of, is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, Very good. But, but, the, but I, I think something important uh, for us to just highlight on before we jump into the next question is... There's obviously so many things to grow in as a believer. You know, people, I think that we overcomplicate it, like discipleship and all this kind of stuff. But if there, was, if there were one tide that had to rise that would raise all the others, I really do think it would be a commitment to being an effective witness. You know, I think that's why 
I believe that's the main reason we got the Holy Spirit was to be a witness into oh, that. Oh. No doubt. But it, but yes, an effective witness, but that doesn't happen without the precursor, which is a burden. I have to wake up burdened. I have to, you know, your older brother, Micah, and I used to debate vigorously, you know, he hated the thought of hell. And he finally said one day, hey, you know, you grew up where people are afraid of hell. Nobody's afraid of hell anymore. That doesn't scare anybody into heaven. I said, it's not meant to scare somebody into heaven. It's meant to get you off the couch. It's meant to burden you. Yeah, that's good. That lost person may not even know I'm going to hell, but you should wake up every day thinking every, for two years, after I gave my heart to Jesus for two years, I cried myself to sleep every night because everybody I knew was going to hell. My mom was going to hell. My two brothers, my aunt, my cousins, and my, my biological father, everybody. And I finally just said, say, God, if you don't, you gotta, you gotta help me. I mean, I'm, I, I'm just going under. So we, uh, being, all of us being an effective soul winner, evangelist, would rise all tides. But if we don't have a deep abiding burden, I love what William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army said, if I could take every soldier to hell for five seconds, they'd be soul winners for the rest of their lives. I don't think I've ever heard of that conversation between you and Micah. You know, um, that's, that was worth, I, it'd be hard pressed to get something better out of the podcast than that right there, that hell is not meant to, it shouldn't scare non-believers. They are, they're not believers, but it should, it should scare believers. You know, think about, you know, uh, the, the poor man up there in heaven looking down, or Lazarus looking down at the, at the rich man. Right. You know? And so just that being terrifying, I think that's so good. It, it leads into a question I have, but do you want to add something? Well, I, one of the things that you have taught us, and me in particular, is about resiliency in that burden. Mm-hmm. So you talk about how you loved your family so deeply and you wanted them to know Jesus so desperately. And I have people in my family that don't know Jesus that I am desperate, that I cry over when I go to bed at night that I have nightmares about. And you have taught me, you said, when you get to 30 years, you get to start being discouraged. Would you just tell a little bit about how how did you root yourself into that kind of resistance to discouragement so good well first off it's that that is grounded in a god who's able Mm -hmm. so even i have friends that go to faith promise that actually quit praying for my youngest brother tommy because they said it's just hopeless and then when i came back and said hey i led my little brother to jesus in the prison i had prayer partners that said hey we just have to repent i quit praying for it i thought it was impossible and so I ask for a burden. You know, after a couple of years, I'd say, God, you got to help me about my, my biological family. But I still, this morning in my quiet time, if you look at my journal, you will see, give me a burden for lost people. Because after, you know, 40, almost 43 years, you know, you could say, yeah, I've, I've done my deal. No, I'll do my deal. I'll be done with my deal when I take my last breath. I say when the rapture comes, I'm going to grab a center in each arm and halfway up, I'm going to say either repent or I'm dropping you. <laughs> you know, I mean, to the end of this race, I want to be a soul winner. And when I pray for Michelle and I pray for her, her word's relentless. I pray that she and I will never, ever grow weary of winning people to Jesus. 
and, and set, you know, one of the verses I pray through every day when I pray for my burden for the lost, because you've taught me to do that, is Second Peter 3, 9 says that God is not slow as we understand slowness, but it's his desire that none would perish without repentance. And so, again, if he's not slow, and we've, we've always said if God's not, if you're not dead, then God's not done. That's right. Um, and so uh, I, I think it, it leads into a great question uh, around your, your purpose. And so obviously your, your purpose is to impact the kingdom when you're world, like you said. We have different assignments throughout. But you guys have stayed so steadfast in your purpose as well, not just your burn for the lost, even though we know that that main thing of being a, a, a kingdom builder and evangelist would rise all tides. But mom, how would you say, or what are some of the main things that have kept you on course of your purpose? I'd say most people listening would say, gosh, I feel like I jump on and off of it. You know, like I, I lose sight of it. I get distracted from it. You guys have been so dogged about living out your purpose. Uh, what, what do you feel like has kept you on that? I think the biggest thing is recognizing the enemies of that, that purpose. Um, the enemies, one of the enemies uh, that always tries to um, distract me is busyness um, and um, busyness or just complacency because everything's going good. And so when things are going good, you tend to not have that gut-wrenching feeling um, that this person is about to pass away or those kind of things. And those moments of urgency kind of bring you back to true north. And so recognizing those things, I always try to make those points in my prayer for um, I I have a, a list a win list that um, I always try to keep in my journal. And those are the things that Lord just help me not get caught up in ministry because ministry can be a distraction. It's, it's a great thing I called to it, uh, but ministry can distract me from um, sharing the gospel fully. Um, and so I'm, I try to always, and that sounds like it doesn't even make sense, but um, it, ministry can give me an out to go in that next step into sharing the gospel. I can do ministry by praying for healing for them and praying for the other things um, and uh, or just getting caught up in the busyness of things. So I, I say that to say there are times when I, I have to push those aside and just go to that next step. But, you know, hey, Jesus loves you, and I want to pray for you and your needs, but the biggest need you have is for a Savior and for a relationship with him. And so making that segue into the conversation. So for me, it's identifying those things that would be a distraction from me taking that, that, that initial step into the full gospel. And how you, one of the ways that I know that I'm losing my burden, I'm losing my edge, when I don't see any doors opening up. Because God will make divine intersections every day if you're around people. Now, if you're at home cleaning all day alone, there's probably not going to be a door. But if you're out with people, if you're alert, you're burdened, you'll see, okay, this is a divine appointment. I was in Africa, was a young man, Persian guy, and he said today is in the, in the Muslim calendar is a celebration day of a sacrifice. And I said, oh, thank you, Lord. That's a door. And I said, well, you know, uh, Christians, we don't have sacrifice day anymore 
because the sacrifice was done. I walked all the way through Jesus, the Messiah, the sacrificial lamb, all the way through and said, hey, you know, we don't have to worry about any more sacrifices. It, it, he, when he said on the cross, it's finished, he did all the work for us. And all we had to do is rest in and, you know, uh, gave him an opportunity. Uh, that's good. I think that's, that's, that's something else great to grab a hold of is, hey, for, you know, mom said not being distracted, but how can I tell if I'm distracted? Well, when's the last time you thought in your heart and your mind and your spirit, oh, I should, I should tell him about Jesus now. Mm-hmm. And right. if you can't remember the last time, then you probably are distracted or you probably have lost your burden. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that, I feel like the, the burden is one of those things that we just expect God to give us. And, you know, because uh, we can be very consumer oriented and it's like, well, if he wanted me to have it, you know, but, but the, you know, you, y'all have always talked a lot about the evil eon that we live in, that the prince and power of this world, the enemy is, is trying to distract us and pull us away from the kingdom of God. Uh, so, I mean, I think, a, a, I know a burden is something we have to fight for or we won't have it. Or you travel in the direction of your most powerful thought and you choose those thoughts. You could send it at the Holy Spirit and say, I want to travel. And so when you got to give me a burden, give me a burden, you're going to travel toward the gospel. Uh, so, I mean, we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to set the priorities in our life and all of our lives. And one of those has to be that I'm going to tell people about Jesus, I, I, that I'm not just about him church because 70% of Americans are now not open to an invitation to go to anybody's church. That's our, that's our culture. We didn't deal those cards, but we have to play the hand. So that means seven out of 10 people that I invite are not coming. So if I don't tell them about Jesus, they're going to die without him. Yeah. What are some things that you guys are doing? What are some practical things that people could do? You know, mom talked a little bit about how she stays on her purpose, but you talk about like praying for your burden. Maybe, maybe you guys have already mentioned all the things, but just to make sure there's nothing you wanted to add on what you can do to not be distracted, what you can do um, to, to you, you said, you know, you said to stay sharp, um, you know, so you, you said, hey, if, if I'm not thinking or, or realizing opportunities, I'm losing my edge. So what are you doing to keep your edge? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you doing? Because, uh, you know, I love what John Maxwell has taught us. You know, he says, is that proverb, I can't remember where it is, but he who wins souls is wise. Mm-hmm. And we put it backwards. We think when we're wise, we'll win souls. So what are you guys doing uh, practically to stay sharp? What are you practically doing to stay on your purpose? You know, um, just so, and again, I know mom answered just a little bit, but if, if the world's always trying to pull us off of it, Right, always trying to distract us from it. Then, is there some? Is there like one or two things you say I have to do this every day to keep that edge? Yeah. Well, the precursor to that for most of the people that are listening or watching this podcast is they had to be prepared to share the gospel. If I don't feel equipped, if I if I don't think that I might can answer some questions, which I don't know is a fine answer. That's where you become wise. When you talk to people far from God and they ask you questions you don't know and you go find the answer, you ultimately become wise. And so memorizing the Romans road, uh, keeping a track or a couple tracks, you know, gospel tracks with you, but arming yourself because if you don't feel like you could share your faith, you're not going to look for a door to share it. 
you're actually going to always look for reason not to Mm -hmm. because you're afraid or, and we all share. I've been sharing the gospel for 42 years. And when I enter a conversation, I enter it with apprehension. Yeah. I'm not just, I'm I'm saying, okay, because there's a war that there's a warfare that's raging when I'm talking to that guy. I'm on the river sitting in a lounge chair talking to that guy thinking he's a Muslim. I'm going to offend him. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be whatever. And I have to just push myself anyway. But if I felt ill-equipped, I would have given myself excuses not to do it. So you got to be prepared. And then again, like I said, you pray for burden every day. Lord, give me a burden. Because if you don't have a burden, the door's going to open. You may or may, walk, may or may not walk through. But when you are deeply consumed with people that are going to die and spend forever, mm-hmm. depart from me. You work for iniquity. I never knew you. Standing, Matthew 25, the great white throne of judgment and watching friends and neighbors and relatives and coworkers and classmates be thrown into the lake of fire while you stand there on the right side of Jesus will be the most unpleasant moment in all of eternity. Well, and you said you got to know how to share your story. And so one of the ways that you can do that practically is write it down and practice with someone. Maybe you don't have the courage yet or you're still feeling insecure about your story, but you can write it down time it. Say, hey, here's two minutes and I'm going to share what Jesus did in my life in two minutes and then grab a friend in small group or somebody at your local church and say, hey, I'm really working on winning my world on sharing my faith. Would you help me by listening and practice in a safe place? Because if you won't do it there, you'll never do it out there. And I think that's one of the things that's been really helpful to us is we practiced inside the house. We learned how to pray inside the house. We were raised to read the word and then we were sent out to go and do it. We would, it wasn't just, you didn't just throw us to the wolves. You had us practice first. And then as we came up on things, we were able to go back and ask questions and learn more. But if you haven't practiced ever, if you're listening to this, you say, I don't even know how to start getting prepared to share my story. Start by just writing down what Jesus did for you and tell a friend who already knows Jesus. Or literally, I used to go to my lost friend and say, hey, I'm working on something. Could I run this by you and tell me how you think? And I would share the Roman road of salvation. Hey, do you understand that? Did I do that okay? That's great. That's good. Hey, well, if, are you ready to do that? Yeah. You know, because I, the, I tricked you. Even, it tricked you. Even uh-huh. most people who actually will share their testimony or will share the gospel the most difficult aspect for most people is closing the deal. Yeah. I love Steve Kerr, who's uh, a pastor on staff. He, he's, he's great helping students share their story. And something that bothers him, which I didn't realize it, but it bothers me too now, is that um, when people say their testimony, it's about all the stuff that was wrong with them before. And then they get saved, and then that's all, that's all they tell. And he's like, no, if, if you're going to tell your story, your testimony— like, like you can reference what was what it was before, but don't do that if you're not going to say what it was at, like what you are now, like oh, what it was after. Yes, absolutely. And so, God, again, like you said, which I think may be hard for some to believe, but it is true. Like the surveys bear it out, is that people are not less spiritual. Uh, they're looking for power. They just don't see that power in the church. 
Right. You know, but that one of our favorite verses, Revelation 12, 11, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And, and so biblically, when we just try to leave it up to the blood of the lamb, that's only half of the play he told us to run and the word of our testimony. So I was greedy, now I'm generous. I was perverted, now I'm pure. I was uh, sick all the time, now I've ma- I'm made whole mentally, physically, relationally. But I, just to or tell I did the- wrestle, and now I don't wrestle alone. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I don't wrestle alone because I haven't arrived. By the way, I'm not saying I'm perfect and you're, you're this evil sinner. I'm telling you I'm forgiven, and I'm on this incredible journey. Yeah. yeah. Were you going to ask something, Mom? No, I was just going to say, and I think sometimes we try to commit to memory and make want to make sure we do it right um, instead of embracing that we're humans and be conversational and relational by looking around your environment, whoever you're talking to. You know, if they have kids, you see toys in the yard or whatever, you can incorporate those things just by being relational to set them at ease and yourself, you know, um, pushing past that, that awkwardness, that spirit of fear, and um, knowing, a big thing is knowing that God loves them more than you do. Uh, the Holy Spirit, there's nothing they, that we can do to make them, and so just praying in the Spirit that the Spirit makes them ready because we know through Scripture, no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them, and yeah. so it's just some other ways to be prepared. Um, and one thing that I do is, again, I mentioned a win list. So I have some people that I'm, I'm in, trying to be intentional about and just right now um, just building relationships and, and saying, you know, how can I pray for you? Some have become because I've overheard a conversation like at a restaurant or um, in the gym that, of something they're struggling with. And so I try to not look like the eavesdropper but, um, or the creeper. Um, I just want to come alongside of them and say, hey, I, I overheard you say this, and you know, I just want you to know I'm praying for you or, and try to circle back around and not just stop at that moment. I think that's where um, I've really tried to be more intentional is make sure I circle back around um, and, until I can have that final opportunity to, to you know, share the gospel and have that relationship with them. Yeah, and, and I think something you're, you're both hitting on, and you mentioned earlier by name, Dad, is that you don't have to have all the answers. No. You don't have to, and, and then also, but everybody's going to do it differently, you know, whereas, you know, I, I would say Dad probably has this more matter-of-fact, authoritative, I've studied this, I've spent my over 10,000 hours, and Mom has done a lot of that too, but I see Mom's being way more relational, mm-hmm. service-oriented, you could tell dad something to pray for. He's going to pray for it right then, and then he forgot it. Uh, maybe by the end of the prayer. But mom, mom until you it's tell true. her the Lord has answered the prayer, mom never forgets it. Yeah. And so I think that's also good, too, is, not, is, is realizing that we are all going to share it differently. And, and just, I, I miss it the other day whenever uh, I, was, I was sharing my faith on the golf course, and this guy actually, it, he was talking like he, he just knew the gospel and stuff like that. And then it came around that he was a Jehovah's witness. And so, and then I couldn't in my mind, I couldn't separate Jehovah's witness and Mormon, Mormon. I, and we were on the 16th hole out of 18 when I found that out. And then we we're in separate carts. And so I'm getting on my phone, looking stuff up uh, so I can ask a better question instead of just asking, mm-hmm. Hey, how do you think you have a relationship with God? Hey, wh- what, what do you think is, is like your, your way into 
heaven. And so I met, honestly, by the end, I missed it. I got his number and we'll play again and I'll ask that question. But going back to the verse we said earlier, he who wins souls is wise. In that moment, I didn't choose what was wise and what was wise was not having the right answer. What was wise was just being bold and asking a question, you know, so that he and I could have some dialogue. And so again, even though it's for some reason, I think it's, I know it's spiritual warfare that there's that apprehension. Um, But one more question. And then, cause this is a, this is a two parter. So we'll have another uh, podcast really around the next generation and how we're going to do that. But if you don't know, during the time while we're recording this, we're really right in the middle of transition and, you know, and, and mom and dad handing the baton to Rachel and I on, on being, getting the privilege of lead faith promise. And so what, whenever you look back over a lifetime and you're going to continue to do it, but when you look back over a lifetime of helping people discover their purpose and live it out of impacting the kingdom, is there anything that you would change? So is there, if you, as you look back over doing that, are there, is there one or two things you would say, you know what, if I, if I was looking back, I would do this differently so that I could equip more people to win their world or, or something like that. Is anything come to mind for you guys? Hmm. Well, just to be totally transparent, the one thing that I know that as I have looked back on, because I've been going through old files and just different things, and um, the, the more that we've grown and the more that God has blessed us to be able to uh, help others get involved and, and discover their purpose and making and creating processes for them and getting them, you know, into, into their purpose and using their purpose and, and helping them. It, it also, um, going, you know, being so intentional with that, I sometimes neglected the intentionality of bringing alongside some of the other things that got us where we were, and those were just some really um, intentional prayer times and worship times outside of uh, the church walls and, and soul winning together and some of those things that we would do. Um, and, you know, we've, when you, uh, Pastor Chris, has, has said before, when you add more water to the tea or more people to the right. house— you know, it weakens the tea. So that means you have to steep more tea. And so that was one thing I wish I would have kept bringing in along with um, the systems and process we did to be able to equip people and discover their purpose and to be able to um, keep uh, keep with the vision of planning planning um, our multi-sites and all those things, getting them ready for that, but bringing alongside those, those heartfelt um, moments of, you know, spirituality that um, we, we try, but it, I wasn't as intentional as I was about getting them to their purpose and getting them to where they were using their purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's good. So if I could go back... Um, I would make sure that those moments were built in better. They they did happen, but you know, looking maybe just looking back is more nostalgia. I don't know, but those were some of the things I was thinking. You know, to make sure those were passed down. Those moments, those um, 
those spiritual temperature moments um, were passed down as much as the systems and processes to make us as, you know, as effective as we can yeah. to reach the 1%. Well, I think, uh, I, I think it's so right, but just to make sure it's in the context for the people who are listening, whether you're a, a mom or a student or whatever, um, that, that to, to make intentional spiritual moments for your, yourself and your family, or if you're a leader of a group or something like that, making like intentional, that some of the best group leaders and families that I see, like they're intentional to make these spiritual moments, you know. Uh, there's a group leader out the Blunt campus. They go to like this marriage conference every year with their group. And, but they're doing what you're saying, where they have these banner cornerstone moments where they just experience God's presence. And most people don't get the opportunity to do that for a church like you guys have. But you either have, you definitely have the chance to do it for yourself, right? By and your family, like yeah, you. by going to whether it's prayer gatherings or even asking somebody, hey, will you pray for me? Like, will you like will you, what, whatever it might be. But I think that's good. We we really intentionally uh, seek out like uh, vacation moments and like fun moments uh, for our, for our kids and for our friends. But do we do that spiritually? Do we seek out like spiritual? molding moments like where it's like hey we're gonna let's take a picture of this fun beach moment so we remember it hey let's all take a minute and just remember like that where god just showed up whether there was a manifestation of a healing or anything or it was just god was here and it was awesome so is there anything for you dad to look back that um that you that you may do differently as you've been equipping people to win their world uh i probably would have done more groups of younger adults year two, they get a new group. Uh, I think that I was probably a little too focused on, hey, this is your gift. We got to plug you in here. I'm far more, hey, your assignment is important, but your purpose of advancing the kingdom trumps your assignment. So, you know, I love being a student pastor. I love being a senior pastor. You know, uh, all, all of my different assignments since that day, I said I've, that I feel called a vocational work. And especially most people that list this are not doing vocational ministry. And so they may be serving in kids ministry for a season, student ministry, may serve in worship. Uh, they may be greeters and ushers. Uh, the, and that assignment matters. But the purpose to win our world for for FP to keep helping people, equipping people to win their world is more important than my assignment today. Because my assignment, our assignment's changing. It's weeks away, our assignment that we've had for uh, over 30 years of our main life, of being senior leaders at two different churches, will change. And I couldn't be more excited because we've done some incredible addition but Michelle and I are about to move into multiplication of influence of advancing the kingdom. Yeah. Not our assignment, what our titles are, but what we're going to do. That's right. That's right. So that's, that's so good. Um, well, hey, we're going we're gonna, to uh, end this. We have one more we want to do about, about just uh, how if, they, if you are the next generation, how we, how, what we need to do to be able to win the world. But if, if you are... Mansell right now with equipping the next generation. We'll talk about that here in a minute, but we love you guys so much. 
so grateful for you guys. I know everybody listening is super, super grateful. So, uh, hey, guys, remember, your purpose is to win your world. And God wouldn't have called you to it if he wasn't going to bring you through it. And so go out this week, win your world. We'll see you next week. 